Hey guys, I want to welcome you to the weekly Wednesday for the Financial Freedom Newsletter, where every week, every Wednesday, we delve into something inspirational, motivational, something excerpt taken from the Financial Freedom Weekly Newsletter. Wherever you are, if you're listening on Spotify, on iTunes, Google, be sure to click the like, subscribe, share, comment. Without ado, let's get into the show. Hey guys, welcome to this week's podcast episode for the Financial Freedom Podcast. And I'm really excited about today's guest, uh, Sanjit Singh, uh, based out of Seattle. He's a startup founder and revenue leader, and he's currently the CEO of Bolt, which provides fractional sales leadership to early stage companies. And he's had an extensive background and experience in entrepreneurship, startup entrepreneurship, technology, and I'm really excited about this show for the audience. So Sanj, welcome. Thank you. Thanks for having me, Dr. Lou. Yeah. Um, I know you had, um, you know, we connected through Podmatch and um, so, you know, kind of two, three minute your story and then we'll get into the nitty gritty of it. Sure. So my story in a, in a nutshell, I started my career uh, working in sales and then quick, very quickly moved into sales management with large fortune 500 companies. And then, uh, started my first company or business, you know, in 2007 and started my first, uh, tech startup in 2013, exited that 19, started another. And then I realized, uh, you know, in meeting so many other founders that I was a little bit unusual having a sales and marketing background. So a lot of them, a lot of my, uh, founder friends started calling me for help with sales and marketing. And that sort of pulled me into what I do now, which is being fractional head of sales for early stage companies. Yeah. I've heard this uh, term of fractional. um, So kind of describe what is, what is this concept? Yeah, it's a great question. I was introduced to it when I was running lead crunch, one of my startups and heard that you could actually hire a very experienced executive. In this case, it was a CFO. Uh, in a fractional way, meaning we're just buying a, a percentage of their time. And I was immediately uh, sold. You know, I said, you, know, you could get someone with that level of experience <clears throat> who can not only help you with the tactical things, <clears throat> but also with, you know, strategic things. So I hired a, a, at least a few fractional CMOs over the course of uh, a few, you know, a couple of few startups. And then I, I didn't really see anybody doing it for sales. So I and when my people started asking me, I said, well, I might as well just do the same thing, but for sales. Now I'm part of a group called Fractionals United, which has you know, fractional everything. Uh, and so it's becoming very popular for two reasons. I think on my side, it's becoming popular as a provider because there's a lot of layoffs and executives are, are looking for something maybe a little bit different to do. <clears throat> Use our time in a different, maybe a, a more uh, focused way. And on the company side, because they're, you know, in the economy, they're, they're, and budgets are drying up, they can hire somebody with a lot of experience for a lot less money. Yeah. I love that. This kind of like this, uh, basically this idea of just, you know, instead of pouring all your reason, you kind of like divide your time and resources yeah. appropriately, which is the smarter way to do it. Um, so then, you know, you talked about your sales and marketing background in a startup and it sounds like you're a serial entrepreneur. So kind of, you know, for, people interested in, you know, startup entrepreneurship, you know, what kind of skills are kind of traditionally seen and, you know, what kind of skills on the margins will give you an edge in this industry? 
Yeah, that's a great question. I think uh, to start a company in the tech space, it really helps to have one, let's say you're, uh, if you're a solo founder, it helps if you're technical, uh, it really helps. And I think if you're not technical like me, it's really good to partner with someone who's technical. Um, I've seen people with non who are not technical. When I say technical, of course, I mean, you know, uh, they can code and actually build, build technology. Um, cause I know most of your audiences, you know, uh, a lot of your audience may be physicians or other, other professions. Um, but I've, I've seen people, it sometimes works, but usually it doesn't where they hire an offshore team or they, which is, the, would be the worst case scenario or they hire an onshore team to build something. And then they're going to, you know, run a business around it. That's very hard because you really don't have anybody with skin in the game who really understands the technology, the ins and outs of it. It's not a one-time thing. You build a product, it's it's a box, and then you sell boxes. It's it's a living, breathing thing that needs to evolve. And so I think that that would be a critical uh, piece of advice that that I um, that I wish a lot of friends of mine had 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 before they 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 you know went went about it another way. Yeah, yeah. It's it's quite interesting to hear you know how. Um kind of your um, diverse skill set and how you made it. Um, one thing is talking about is kind of at the ground, the ground level, how to avoid the big, 10 biggest mistakes in startup? Well, there's probably way more than 10, but I'll cover some <laughs> of them. I think the big, the biggest startup issues that I see. Uh, so when I think about it, I look at CB Insights is a data provider that provides you know data on private companies and, and they're, they're great. And they they uh, they pr provided a uh, infographic where it showed the top ten reasons startups fail. And the two biggest reasons, which accounted for nearly three fourths or seventy five percent of startup failures, one was no market need, and the other was ran out of cash. So let's talk about those for a second. So no market need means, uh, and I know this sounds crazy, but uh, uh, but it's it, you know a lot of us do this all the time, and we, if you think about it, we do we all do it. And you have to fight the tendency to do it, which is to say, I have a great idea. I know it's great. I don't need to talk to my customer because I'll build it and show it to them and then blow their minds. Right. And that's really not how things, you know, that's not the best way to go about it. So we have this concept product market fit, which you're probably well aware of, where you go and you interview your potential customer audience. Um, you know, you want to make sure a, it's, a, it's a big enough market for you to get funding if you're going to seek funding. And you want to make sure that that audience uh, has has a big problem. You don't have you don't tell them what the, you think the problem is. You ask them, and you, you make sure that they're telling you my biggest problems are. And hopefully, the idea you have solves one of those big problems. Then you talk to them about the solution just to solve it in the way they want. You talk, you know, you figure out pricing, and then then you have a a, a more a much more legitimate shot at, at building a successful company uh, rather than skipping that step. And the other ran out of cash just simply means. You didn't have traction for some reason. Could it be because you didn't have product market fit? But you didn't get enough sales, which provides you cash, or you didn't get funding. And funding comes from having traction. That's where they fund. And so those are two big reasons that uh, that someone will run out of cash. Yeah, yeah. I always hear these, um, especially in the the bear market over the last you know two two years or so. Um, you know, a lot of startups they um, you know talk about runway and you know basically. Uh, you know, in bear markets, it's kind of just basically cut expenses, you know, increase your runway. And, you yeah, know, yeah. if you can survive, then you're better position. Um, right, right. Yeah. Uh, and it's a bear, it's a bear market for a couple of reasons. One uh, is what you said, people, you know, may not be buying from you as much as they 
you thought they would or they used to. And the other bear market, of course, is ventures very has very dried up quite a bit, unless you're doing something really exciting in generative AI. <laughs> um, you know, it's gonna be a slog to get funding uh, if you're seeking venture capital funding, let's say. Yeah. And so now we're on the topic of sales, you know, um, you know, what are some of the mistakes, you know, startups make in the sales area? There's quite a few. <clears throat> I think um the biggest mistakes that I see are, of course. They don't have product market fit, so they can't make a sale. But if they do have product market fit, the, the, the startup founder needs to aggressively go out, make it a priority to go out and get the first few sales. And sometimes they're juggling so many things, they don't make time for that. But it is, it is once you have product market fit, it's the most important thing to do is to go get sales. And, <clears throat> and if you're struggling to, to get the first few sales, you need to go get help. And you should go back to the people you interviewed in the product market fit stage. And then once you've made a few sales, then... And, and you know that it's a sort of predictable, like I talk to these kind of companies, I talk to these sort of contacts, I provide a proposal, they buy. You do that a few times. Now you have, uh, most likely, you have a predictable, repeatable sales model. And now you can hire somebody And if you're hiring salespeople, and you can actually hand them a pattern that works. And then you can refine it with them over time. Um, but another, uh, so, so not doing those things is, is something I see. Um, they'll hire a salesperson before they really have a repeatable pattern, you know, and, and so, or they stay in the sales position too long. They don't hire somebody. I think another one, just taking a step back is, um, is moving to a model where you're going to use salespeople when instead you may be able to actually use a business development approach where you don't even hire salespeople. You partner with, you know, a large uh, company in your space that already has distribution. They already have a large sales force big marketing muscle and you partner with them and they get, and they help you get distribution and you do a revenue share or something and you can move a lot faster, a lot cheaper and, you know, reduce your customer acquisition costs. And so just not even considering some of these things is another big mistake. And that's usually just because people don't know, they don't know that that's available to them or, or it might make sense for their business. Yeah. How do um, founders know when they're ready to scale their startup sales? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, I think it really comes, um, you know, after they've made a few sales and they have some, they're, they're starting to see a pattern because once they know, because if you're selling to, let's say you're selling to companies, okay, there's a bazillion companies in the world, right? So you, you can't boil the ocean as they say, right? If you, if you're selling, if your first few customers tend to come from these two or three, four industries, you know, let's focus on those and then see which one's the best one. And then you find when you find that pattern, you know, then you start scaling for sure. Yeah, I love that. And it's, you know, it's all about um, traction and then um, yeah. basically, you know, product market fit. And then once yeah, you have yeah. that series A, um, which is quite interesting. The other question, when basically sales, um, there's this great uh, book by Reed Hoffman, you know, Masters of Scale and talking about, oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, talking about yeah, the yeah. early days of, Airbnb and uh, was a Y Combinator. They were telling the founders yeah. to do things that don't scale so that yes. you can understand that. What are the biggest mistakes basically uh, in automating sales and, and, and uh, with the sales process? What are those biggest issues? So I think the biggest issues in sales, uh, when you talk about, let's say, uh, automating and whatnot, or sales, really sales process in any company is um, a surprising number of companies I've run across, they have an organized system. Right. So so it's thinking through the whole process, like 
um, how do I get leads in the first place, right? Uh, am I writing content? Am I creating videos? Am I uh, attracting leads through this, these sources? And uh, how am I getting them in? Once they hit my website, what are the steps they go through to buy or to get to a salesperson, depending? And have I really thought through that journey? Uh, like what is going on in the buyer's mind? What do they need at each stage of their, their journey? And am I walking them through that on my website? Because you're trying to compress the amount of time it takes to go from a new lead to close one deal, right? You, money in the bank. And so you're trying to move fat, friction, anything that slows it down, creates obstacles. There's a lot of friction points that are there that people just don't know are there. And they, they're just not looking at, at the, the process carefully. The other question is, um, you know, product market fit, and then how you increase your uh, company's sales velocity, growing revenue. Yeah, yeah no, a great question. So velocity, I think, comes from uh, kind of like to piggyback on, on or to dovetail on what I was just saying is you start with the goal. You say, you know, by this, let's say you have a, a sales cycle that's six months, right? So you say, okay, uh, in six months, I need, you know, these numbers. Then you go backwards and you say, to get uh, one deal, let's say, or let's say you need 10 deals, okay? To get 10 deals, I need uh, 50 sales qualified leads to have a sales call with that usually boils down to uh, 10 deals, which is a close rate of 20%, which is about what, what would be make sense across industries. Your, your particular industry may differ. And then going from to get 50 sales qualified leads, how many marketing qualified leads do I need, right? So now I know how, how, how I have to invest in marketing and invest in sales in order to get this goal uh, you know, at time, time X, right. Based on how long it takes me to close the deal. So, it, so in that process, you look at industry statistics, like I was just mentioning, like, uh, for my industry, how many sales qualified leads do I need to get to a closed one? Then you look at your numbers. And if you're closing, if you're getting a 5% close ratio and your industry is 20%, then you need to start scrutinizing. What are we doing in the sales process? Because we should be closing about four times what we're closing. Right. So that's where they're removing the fat and, and so on. So, so basically it's figure out your numbers that you need, uh, find your bottlenecks and, and, and find your friction and fat and, and, and eliminate them. Yeah. I love this whole reverse, uh, engineering. And, um, every yeah. time I talk to, um, well, first time I've talked to, you know, startup founder in this, but you know, if it's realtors or whatever, it's like basically a number and you have a process and basically you just crank out, you just execute and, you know, exactly. Which is is very it's like a numbers game, um, right? Yeah, a lot of uh, you know you've done it, and a lot of entrepreneur startups, um, you know they've been in this. Uh, what would you do differently, and how you know how to begin the startup the right way? Kind of mm -hmm. uh, share some of your your insights. Uh, yeah, what would I do differently? Well, I think we hung on to uh, like at, at Lead Crunch, my first tech startup. I think we just hung on to certain markets too long, like we were, but you know we had probably four or five pivots until we hit pay dirt. And um, yeah, I think we were just, uh, we were in markets that weren't VC fundable and we were seeking VC funding. And you have to, you know, you have to kind of know, like we were so clueless. We just didn't know that, you know, uh, you know, we were in a market this size, VCs need markets at least this size, like in the billions, right? Um, yeah. And, you know, and I think we stayed there too long when we were, you know, there was too many signals that, we didn't have product market fit, but, you know, we didn't really understand that. And so we stayed too long, but then, you know, 
We almost run out of cash three times. Uh, we made every everything I'm telling you not to do. I've probably done at some point. <laughs> it's uh, it's interesting. It's like these yeah. these crazy tales, and I'm I'm always reading these bios of startup founder. You know, Airbnb, Uber. You know, all these like you know great companies these days. But you know, early days, it's it's almost like it's like a scrappy. You know, you have to like fight it. Yeah. <laughs> totally very scrappy absolutely <laughs> yeah so uh yeah really interesting um how can people you know interested follow you i know you're on linkedin check out your yeah. work your social media etc yeah so if you go to bolt.io you can uh, get information on my services which is fractional sales leadership uh for companies and uh uh you can also get to my uh so a lot of the things i'm saying about you know for, are really aimed at you know, technical, technically oriented founders. And after mentoring a lot of them in, in incubators and, and working with some of them as customers, I started finding that I was seeing the same thing over and over again. So I created a, a, a course, uh, an online course called Sales for Startups, and I priced it really cheap and it's, it, you can accomplish it in like, you know, a few hours, but uh, to cover all these things that I keep saying <laughs> over and over again, but I really, uh, I don't want people to fail for very, for avoidable reasons, right? There's so many things that can kill you in a startup. It really shouldn't be not understanding the very basics that, you know, uh, so I put them all in this course and you can get to that course from my website and my YouTube channel and, and, uh, so on. I love that. Uh, you know, and I love this conversation, um, for all the audience out there, especially in interest in tech startup entrepreneurship, uh, this podcast with Sanjay is a great resources and he's on LinkedIn, YouTube, TikTok, all these will be in the show notes and the resources. And with that, thanks so much for coming onto the podcast. Thank you, Dr. Lou, and, and good luck to all the entrepreneurs out there. I hope you really enjoyed that wonderful, inspirational, motivational piece. Again, if you wherever you are listening, if you liked it, be sure to like, comment, share, subscribe. We're on everywhere, Spotify, iTunes, Google, Amazon, Audible. And without much ado, be sure to thank this show's sponsors, and we'll see you next week.